Welcome to the Korean Beauty Show, where we're talking all things Korean skincare, makeup, and more. If you want to learn about the hottest trending products and ingredients straight from South Korea, then this is the podcast for you. Each week, we'll be diving in to take a look at the latest trends and product releases with special guest interviews from the names behind the hottest Korean brands, as well as all the tips and tricks you need to perfect your K-beauty routine. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, professional K-beauty addict and founder of Korean beauty platform Style Story. Hi, KBs, and welcome back to the Korean Beauty Show. I'm Lauren Lee, and I'm excited to be here with you again talking about all things K-beauty. If this is your first time listening to the Korean Beauty Show, then welcome. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, and I've spent the last 10 years living and breathing all things K-beauty. I'm now based in Seoul, South Korea, and can't wait to share all the things I've learned living and working in the industry with you. This podcast is brought to you by Style Story for your dose of all things K-beauty. Want to shop the hottest trending K-beauty products? Head over to www.stylestory.com.au. So today we are exploring a topic that we've touched on a little bit in previous episodes, but I'd like to delve deep with you today, and that is how Korean beauty is different to Western beauty. And I know that we've previously spoken about how in the beginning, say 10 years ago, there were a lot more differences than there are today, particularly in the length of the skincare routines that people are doing pretty much all over the world. I think it's fairly obvious from a quick search on Instagram that the typical skincare routine that people are following these days involves a lot more steps than it previously did. But if I had to pick out the main differences that I see between Korean beauty and Western beauty, then they would be the ingredients in the products, the formulations of the products, the packaging approach, and even their purpose. So I'd like to touch on some of those today. And the first one, and this was one that really struck me with Korean skincare when I first discovered it back in 2011, and that was the approach to skincare versus makeup. So Western cosmetics and certainly Western makeup techniques focus a lot on covering up flaws. So if you've got under eye bags, we want to conceal those. If we've got acne, we want to cover that up so that you can't see it. If you have uneven skin tone, then it's about, you know, getting acing your base, as it were, to get the skin looking beautiful. Now, the Korean philosophy, and this is a philosophy I think that's caught on over the years, is that beauty begins with great skin. So it's skincare first and makeup second. That's the Korean approach. So rather than covering up flaws on the skin with makeup, Koreans tend to focus on skincare skincare products that can fix the underlying problem. So if eye bags are a problem, rather than looking for an excellent under eye bag concealer, Koreans would try and find a skincare product that can fix that and make everything look brighter and healthier and more hydrated. So I actually did a bit of digging to find out the statistics on this. And it turns out that 89% of Korean women, so basically all, would rather spend their money on skincare than makeup. So that is a pretty high statistic. Um, 
because I know certainly a lot of Koreans do spend their money on makeup. Um, makeup is very, very commonly worn in Korea. Um, the style of makeup certainly is slightly different than Western style makeup um, in terms of the things that Koreans like to look at highlighting, even the way they apply lip makeup, eye makeup and things like that. But 89% of them would rather spend their money on skincare. So I think that lets you know where the priority lies in Korean beauty um, and in the products that are being developed and things like that. So even Korean makeup products, this is one thing that I was shocked by when I first delved into the world of K-beauty, even Korean makeup products tend to focus on repairing skin issues, albeit while covering up. So for example, BB cream. BB cream, I know most people these days may not even think of it as sort of a Korean thing, but actually it was the Korean and Japanese that popularized Korean beauty products in the early 2010s. Um, Skin 79 is a great example of a Korean brand that really, um, I guess, hit global fame with its BB creams. And their BB creams offer makeup coverage with skincare properties. And if you have a look at the formula of those Skin 79 BB creams and certainly many other Korean BB creams, you'll see all of the same kind of ingredients that you would expect to see in a skincare product like hyaluronic acid. Um, I've seen snail mucin, which is a really, really popular product in K-Beauty. And I've seen it at percentages in the formula that are higher than some skincare products, which is kind of mind boggling if you think about it. So Korean BB creams uh, were the ones that sort of the Western companies started copying off, I guess. I mean, that's that's just fact. So most Western co- uh, companies these days do actually have a version of a BB cream. In my opinion, they kind of focus, again, more on the Western philosophy of makeup and less on the skincare thing. So I don't think that most of the Western BB creams that I've seen have a patch on the Korean ones. They're just not as good. The coverage is not as good. They're just basically tinted moisturizers. They're watered down versions of foundation, which kind of misses the point in my opinion. But anyway, um, Korean companies made that kind of product really, really popular. And then Western companies basically set about reproducing their own versions of that. The same thing with BB cushions as well. I know, in fact, one of the companies that pioneered that technology in Korea actually ended up working with uh, Lancome and Dior and things like that to share their technology with them so that they could come out with their own versions. So, you know, that's just another example of, I guess, the influence that Korean beauty and the trends is having on Western beauty these days, that these products that are coming out of Korea are being, I guess, made globally famous through, you know, bigger brands um, that have more reach in Western audiences, certainly, than the Korean ones traditionally did. I think that's changing now. Certainly, Amore Pacific is a company that I can see doing big things um, in America. Um, they've just entered Australia with Innisfree, and I believe they're also stocked in some Australian offline stores as well. So I think that will change. But the trend certainly five, ten years ago was that Korean companies would invent something and then that that technology would just blatantly be copied by you know a western competitor which is a bit of a shame but i think that's hopefully changing now um um yeah so we shall see (laughs) anyway so that's one of the big differences that i uh, i have noticed is the focus on skincare versus makeup 
The next one is the idea of layering your skincare products. And I think I've spoken in a previous episode about, you know, the idea behind K-Beauty is not being about, you know, you have to do 10 steps or 12 steps or whatever steps, but it's really about focusing on the needs of the skin, nourishing it. So K-Beauty is all about light and thin layers. That's really why we see so many different products in a typical Korean beauty routine, because they're a lot lighter. um, And, you know, of course, the lighter the layers, the more issues that you can treat with various different products by lightly and gently patting them into the skin. And I think we also spoke in a previous episode about, you know, Western skincare tending to focus on exfoliating to reveal new skin, you know, lots of scrubs and high percentages of acids and things like that. Um, another way I've seen this play out is retinol. So retinol is just not an ingredient that we really see much in Korean beauty. Um, and of course, it's all the rage in Western beauty. Uh, so I think that's just a, a, another way that you can see that the differences sort of play out. So each product in a Korean beauty routine serves a specific purpose. Um, and, you know, whether that's from the essence, from the serum, everything is designed with a, with a uh Uh, focus in mind now the other reason why i think layering is more common in k-beauty than certainly in australia is has a lot to do with the weather so the weather here in korea is just a lot more extreme than in other countries back in the day when i first moved to korea everyone used to tell me korea has four distinct seasons uh you know it's snowy winter um really hot summer then you know the seasons in between that are a bit more mild Now, I think with global warming playing its part, that is less pronounced now, though, you know, it's not always as hot in summer or always as cold in winter. But there's no denying that we get some really harsh winds coming down from Siberia here, and that wreaks havoc on your skin. Uh, It also is a lot drier here in winter, certainly than the winters that I've experienced in other countries. So I think, you know, this has another I guess um, this is another reason why you do see all of these products that are designed to be layered in the skincare routine is because of the weather here. Um, SPF. I don't think anyone can talk about the Korean beauty routine without talking about the focus on SPF. Koreans take their UV protection extremely seriously to the point where it's very common to see certainly older women walking around with full gloves over there, covering their arms, even in summer with, you know, really big visor hats, sunglasses, like uh, some people even wear what I call the beekeeper outfit, which essentially is like, looks like a beekeeper, like no part of the the sun is touching their body. Um, And even if people don't take it that seriously, they certainly take it seriously enough to wear SPF every day. So sunscreen is a really important part of the Korean beauty routine. Uh, And obviously there's a link here to the brightening products that we've talked about previously. Um, And, you know, uh, a popular ingredient that I see, there's lots of popular ingredients. We'll talk about those kind of ingredients in a later episode, but glutathione being one. So, um, you know, at the, on the Style Story website at the moment, we've got a product called APLB Glutathione Ample Serum. And this incorporates one of K-Beauty's favorite ingredients for dealing with sort of dark spots on the skin. So that's obviously all plays a part. SPF and brightening, those two are quite linked. 
Deep hydration. This is another really key focus of the Korean beauty routine, probably more so than Western skincare. Um, Koreans are obsessed with hydration. There's actually a word in the Korean language, chok chok. So the idea is to get the skin looking just moisturized, full of moisture, bursting with moisture. And you might say, but you know, why, <laughs> why the focus on hydration? Well, there are several reasons. And I think the key thing is that when the skin is hydrated, it looks so much softer. It looks younger because the lines in your face are filled out. When the skin is really dehydrated, that's when you'll start seeing fine lines creep in and wrinkles and things like that. So just through properly hydrating your face, you can actually take years off the face. So that is in my mind, the reason why everyone's so obsessed with hydration is just because it makes you look healthy and it makes you look younger. Um, and I guess that's another difference I see between K-beauty and Western beauty is in Western beauty, the focus is seemingly solely on anti-aging, anti-aging. You know, everyone wants to look, get rid of wrinkles, look younger. When should I start using an eye cream? You know, that, that they, these are the questions that I get over and over and over again. Uh, whereas I think Korea, Koreans and Korean beauty is more focused on the overall health of the skin. You know, treating skin issues as and when they crop up and dealing with the skin in a particular moment in time rather than, you know, trying to fight off aging or something like that. So I think those two are both linked. Um, the next way I guess it differs, and this is changing definitely, is uh, double cleansing. So double cleansing is not unique to Korean beauty. I definitely know that. And certainly many people are incorporating double cleansing into their routine these days. But historically speaking, that was uh, a way that Korean beauty stood out from Western beauty. This idea that you cleanse twice, once with an oil cleanser and then follow up with a foam cleanser, that was quite unique. Um, you know, sort of 10 years ago. And even still, a lot of people don't understand. I speak to a lot of people and they're like, hold on a minute, why am I washing my face twice? Well, that's why we're trying to break down the sunscreen and makeup in the first step and then clean away any leftover debris in the second step. So that's the idea behind double cleansing. Uh, and, you know, if you go and have a facial at a an aesthetic clinic here in Korea, certainly they will do at least a double cleanse. I've even seen like triple cleanse before. So that's a really important part of K-beauty and that's distinguishes it, at least historically, it has distinguished K-beauty from Western beauty. Uh, I don't think any topic or any discussion of the differences between K-beauty and Western beauty would be complete without acknowledging the differences in ingredients. There are many ingredients in K-beauty that you just don't see or hear of in Western beauty. Uh, snail mucin is a really popular one that people love to talk about. So snail mucin is the trail of the snail, not the snail itself. So if you've ever seen a snail in the wild, you'll know that when it moves along the ground, it leaves behind sort of a slimy substance behind it. And that is what is being collected and put in these beauty products, not the snail itself. So we're not talking about crushed up snail in a moisturizer. That would be very unethical and problematic. So that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the mucin of the snail. And there's probably, it deserves a whole episode as to why snail mucin is so popular. But in this, in essence, it is a great ingredient for the skin. Um, it has heaps and heaps of benefits to human skin. So we can look at that one a bit later. Other ingredients that are super 
trending or popular include galactomyces, which is a type of yeast extract. Uh, yeast, I think, conjures up terrible images in the mind of most <laughs> English-speaking people, but uh, it's a very common ingredient in beauty products, has been popularized by products including SK2's popular first treatment essence. That is uh, essentially what Pitera is. So they gave it a nice pretty name. It's yeast extract, guys. <laughs> Hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that is a very common product uh, ingredient in K-Beauty as well. Other ingredients include things like bee venom, ginseng, which is sort of a herbal root, uh, plays a very important part in Asian culture. Uh, fermented ingredients generally. Koreans eat fermented food like kimchi. They love fermented ingredients in their skincare. Um, so that's a very, very popular inclusion in a lot of K-beauty products. Centella asiatica, which is also known as sika or tiger's grass. That is a I cannot tell you how many Korean beauty products I have seen that have Centella Asiatica in them at the moment, but suffice to say, it is very popular. Uh, and then you'll see other more typical, maybe Asian ingredients, things like lotus, so a beautiful flower. So they're the kinds of things that you might see in K-beauty that you probably won't see in Western beauty. Um, so yeah, those are the ingredients and formulas. Now, the other thing that we can't ignore is the price. So... I remember nearly falling off my seat when I got to the cash register at the first Korean beauty store that I ever went to and they rung up all the products I had and it just, I was like, that can't be right. Why is it so cheap? Now, there's a lot of reasons why Korean products are cheaper than their Western counterparts. One, the main one being that historically manufacturing costs have been lower in Korea. Now, with the rise of K-beauty, I would say that that's actually changing a bit. Uh, there's a lot. It's actually very hard to get products made in Korea at the moment because everyone wants to have them made here. Western companies, Korean companies, everyone. But historically, the manufacturing costs have been lower in Korea. Um, and certainly because, you know, minimum wage and things like that are a lot lower here, they can keep the prices cheaper. The other main reason is the sheer amount of competition in this country, which is mind boggling. Koreans love discovering the latest products. They're all about the hottest trending things, you know, the next big thing. And there's a lot of competition to come up with that, to be the company that has the next big, you know, product that everyone wants to buy. So competition is really stiff. Someone suggested to me, and I would tend to believe it, that there could be as many as 13,000 Korean beauty companies in Korea, which is just crazy. Uh, you know, there's you just historically did not see that kind of competition between the big Western beauty companies. The companies that are popular in the West have been popular forever. You know, Clarence, Lancome, I mean, pick pick any of them, Estee Lauder. These are companies that have been around for a very, very long time. And, you know, there's just not that level of competition around them. I know indie beauty is being a thing, it, it, you know, has been a thing for the, the past certainly I'd say five years, the rise of indie beauty companies, including ones that are majorly disrupting the industry. I mean, companies like Drunk Elephant, Glossier, things like that. But there is nowhere near the level of competition that you see in Korea. So, you know, that has a massive impact on price. It has a massive impact on the ingredients, the formulas, the innovation, the design. Um, you know, Koreans are very visual. They're great at design. They design some absolutely beautiful things, not just cosmetics. So 
Innovation is the, is the last point that I had on my list. And innovation is a key factor for the Korean beauty labels just at, because of this competition that we're talking about. Um, it's been said that Korea is 10 years ahead of Western skincare technology. And to be honest, I believe that. If I, and this is not to diss, you know, the, the companies that I see certainly in Australia, but if I see the things they're coming out with, you know, it's just not very innovative. If they're the same kind of products that have been around for many, many, many years you know using the same kind of ingredients um so i think there is a lot more innovation in korean beauty and that is linked to the market the 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 market demands innovation they're not interested in the same old stuff that was popular five ten years ago or 30 years ago they're not interested in you know always using the same ingredients they want to find new stuff better stuff so the companies bring that because that's what the market demands The other thing is there is less red tape when it comes to bringing new skincare to the market. Um, And one area that this is very much apparent to me in is sunscreen, SPF regulation. So unfortunately, Australia and America, to a lesser extent maybe, have some really, really old legislation, some laws in relation to the kind of ingredients that can be used in sunscreens. And Australia in particular has some very, very difficult laws for companies to pass in relation to in-country testing um, and product testing in order to bring new SPF products onto the market. And Korea has uh, more appetite for innovation. So the Korean government lets more um, innovative and newer uh, sunscreen filters into the products on the market, which makes Korean products very... uh, I guess, cosmetically elegant. It's unfortunate that none of the Korean sunscreens that I know of have ever been registered in Australia. So we can't actually sell them on Style Story uh, and nor can anyone else in Australia sell them. It's it's illegal if unless they've been tested in country, they're not allowed to be marketed as sunscreens. So, you know, that sort of obviously has uh, an impact on the kinds of sunscreens that are available in Australia in a way that it doesn't impact on the ones that are available in Korea. So innovation is welcomed more openly in the area of cosmetic innovation in Korea, certainly than it is in Australia, which is unfortunate, but there are good reasons behind that as well, um, being that there is a hole in the ozone layer over Australia. So it makes sense that we want to keep sunscreen regulation tight. uh, And I guess the Australian government just has less of an appetite for risk when it comes to those sort of things. So the policy reasons are very understandable, but it does uh, also come with with the implication that there is less innovation in certainly the, the area of sunscreens in Australia compared to Korea. So in a nutshell, they're the key differences that I see between Korean beauty and Western beauty. And just to run through those again, obviously there's the difference between skincare versus makeup, uh, the idea of layering products, uh, the idea of le- less exfoliation and anti-aging focus, but more of a holistic approach to uh, the skin, um, SPF and sunscreen, the focus on taking care of the sun the, and staying out of UV, the UV rays is a big one here. The obsession with hydration and chok-chok skin, um, then obviously the ingredients in the formula is being quite different pricing and also innovation. So if you'd like to learn more about any of these topics that we've talked about, we have a blog post over on the Style Story blog that you can go and check out. 
And if you have been listening today, I would love it if you could upload a photo of yourself listening to the podcast and tag us at style story underscore K beauty. I'd love to see where you're listening, you know, what you're doing, whether you're out walking the dog, maybe you're doing the laundry at home, whatever it is, upload a quick photo that we can, so that we can all see as well. And we can share that. All right, guys, I hope this has been an interesting topic for you and I will be back next week with more. Bye, guys. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you've made it this far, hopefully that means you've liked it. Make sure you hit subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. Don't forget to leave me a rating and a review while you're there. And if you want to say hi, head on over to Instagram at lauren.kbeauty and leave me a DM. Until next time.